Hello everyone and welcome to the weekly movie wrap up where we talk all things movies, TV, and news. I'm your host Brandon Sedlick and once again it's just me today. So we're just going to start right off with Saturday Night Live. And the first thing is that this was no doubt the best combination of sketches in a single episode this season so far. And it's odd how of the four hosts so far that this one, uh, the one that's not a comedian has provided the best show. And I know that's not all because of Adele. But I just found that odd how the grouping of sketches with the other three comedians that were hosting previously didn't uh, compare to this last week's show. And my favorite sketch was probably uh, Madame Vivelda. And Kate McKinnon could just get lost in her roles. And we've never seen her play a psychic, so why not? Uh, and the sketch was super funny, but it only reminded me of a character that I really want to see return soon. Uh, Mrs. Rafferty. Uh, look her up on YouTube, and I'm sure all that stuff will come back to you if you've seen it before. And my second favorite is uh, the election ad. And this sketch was hilarious, and I think everyone should at least have some uh, fun with it, no matter which side you're on. Um, and you have to admit that the news is going to be a lot less fun and hilarious if Biden does pull this off in a few days. Um, some people are just blinded by the things Trump says and disregards everything else, but some of the things he actually says are genuinely genuinely funny. And sure, he possibly had someone write these quote-unquote jokes for them, and if he loses... I'm being 100% serious. Right now, it's not a joke. I think he should honestly consider being a comedian because he's he's legitimately funny. And after four years of, you know, this and everything, I think four to eight years of boringness, I mean, it it would be pretty nice (laughs) considering Biden even makes it that long. And uh, my third favorite was the first uh, final debate, Cold Open. And yes, this uh, Cold Open streak has finally been dethroned by the previous two however i think i can confirm the theory i had last week the sketches are much funnier when you haven't seen the event they're basing themselves off of uh because the second presidential debate wasn't i watched it and it wasn't as exciting as the first one and when they did finally ending up uh using that mute button it was kind of underwhelming um and my next favorite was africa tourism and I, I just love it when someone breaks character, especially when it's the host, because all the other people are uh, used to it. But I've, I've seen, uh, like, Leslie Jones, I've seen that one when she was with Melissa McCarthy. She broke character a little bit, but not as not as bad as this. And during live shows, it's incredibly hard to not mess up, but I think Adele laughing throughout leveled this sketch up a lot, because aside from her, it wasn't really all that good. And, yeah, she really pushed this one up from the bottom, from the bottom of the list. Uh, my list, and I really do think she should probably get her own movie. And this this has nothing to do with uh, her breaking character. I just want to see her in a movie. And my next favorite was uh, Chad in a Haunted Mansion. And Pete, Pete Davidson's centric sketches never really click with me. Um, one reason is there aren't very many of them, and the few that there are, they never show his true potential. But the Chad's, the his character Chad, those sketches are much different because he just really kills it as that character. And earlier I saw that p- the potential he had to lead in the King of Staten Island. And that's probably my favorite comedy of the year, uh, besides from uh, Borat. Um, and they're both fanta- Both those movies are fantastic for completely different reasons. And my next favorite was visiting Grandma. And Maya Rudolph must have had a lot more time during rehearsal. Uh, this last week, because she's about in, like, 
half of these sketches as a big part. I'm glad because she makes for a pretty good grandma, actually. But it's nothing new what they do with these old people jokes. It's a lot of the same uh, I can't hear and what'd you say kind of stuff. But yeah. And my next hero is Ass Angel Jeans. I think this is the last. No, there's one more. Uh, yeah, Ass Angel Jeans. And I don't even know what this was. Yeah, seeing Adele and my Rudolph on the sketch together was amazing. But whoever wrote this had have been uh, yeah, not sober, we'll say. Um, and... My least favorite was The Bachelor, and frankly, I'm surprised that this this uh, no, none of these sketches was flat out bad this week, uh, but this one definitely had the least amount of laughs in it. It was basically like the, a way to shoehorn uh, Adele in to sing uh, at least one time this night, because she wasn't the, she was uh, only the host, she was not the musical guest, and um, she just said it was, uh, she hasn't finished her album, and it, uh, taking on both roles may have been like a little too stressful. So her was the musical guest this week, but Adele still wanted to show everyone that she could still sing and everything. Okay, so next I want to talk about The Mandalorian. I know I do have a full review of this episode uh, out on Wired, and I'll, I'll do that each week. I'll try to get them out as soon as I can. Um, but I'm just going to quickly go over some points I may have missed or wanted to further elaborate on. I'm just going to go character to character, so it's much easier. Uh, so I'm going to start with Mando. And at this point, I just like him walking around. It's just kind of cool. And Pedro Pascal's voice, like, matches with him. He, but he's like, like, he's, especially, um, how the episode started out. He seems like Batman, kind of, when he, like, tied the guy up on the, uh, lamp pole. That was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering why we're spending so much time uh, watching him flying to different areas to help other people out. And most of the time, no nothing's in it for him. Um, like, what is he going to do with Boba Fett's armor? It looks by the, by the, by the look of it, it looks like, uh, Tamara Morrison, uh, at the end of the episode, like, he retired of being a Mandalorian or a bounty hunter, and he's just going to be, like, a Tusken Raider, because he had the, the robes on and whatnot. But I don't know, perhaps we may find out next week. I don't know. Uh, and then next, I'm going to talk about Cobb Vanth. Um, and this part was incredibly stressful, because you spend the almost the entire episode with Timothy, o Timothy Oliphant, who fits perfectly with the Western vibe, by the way. And you wonder if this is all they're going to do with this storyline, but at the end of the episode, that's not the case, because you see Tamara Morrison. So I was very relieved. And that's sort of the case for previous episodes, too, uh, in last season, only I was left much more disappointed uh, during those episodes, and I even rewatched them all this last week, and I, I stick by that. De season one definitely wasn't as good as I remember, but I thought it was funny how Cobb Vanth uh, first uh, took off his helmet, and Mando just stood there like, what the hell, because Mandalorians aren't supposed to do that, uh, but then he clears it up short after that he's not a Mandalorian, and I thought it was funny because uh, when Pedro Pascal had his helmet taken off uh, last season, he had like helmet hair, but Timothy Olyphant didn't. Um, that I doubt that has anything to do with, like, the length of his helmet being on, but, um, yeah, that was kind of weird. I mean, we would be looking at Timothy Olyphant's face a lot longer this episode, but, yeah. And, um, when I saw him walk in the bar for, the, like, for the first time, when it, the camera panned over to him, um, in the Boba Fett armor, I was like, that is the skinniest Mandalorian I've ever seen. But it, I wasn't too surprised, because I knew it was Cobb Vanth. Um, I knew Cobb Vanth, Boba Fett, and all those other characters would appear because they announced that, but, um, yeah, the armor was, like, weighing down on him. It seemed like he didn't fit into it really well. And then Baby Yoda, 
He wasn't in this episode very much. He really didn't have anything to do, honestly. And that just goes to show that every, not everything needs to center around him. And I don't know how, because they focused a lot on him in season one. And they didn't wrap uh, filming on season two until like halfway through they debuted uh, season one. Like episode six or something, five or six, something like that. Um, but they already had the script and everything. So I'm wondering how much of Baby Yoda we'll see of in the season. Because they didn't, they didn't change the script. Because people like, uh, oh, people like Baby Yoda. No, they didn't do that. So I'm, I'm wondering um, if we'll see more of him. Because we, we saw quite a bit of him in last season. So yeah. And then Amy Sedaris, her character, she's only in here for one scene, but it's, I, it's, she's just so good at being a, just a random person in the Star Wars universe. And her line readings are great. And this is possibly the best thing she's ever done. She was an elf, which is why she's in this, because uh, John Favreau, showrunner of The Mandalorian, he directed Elf. So there's probably a connection why she was invited to be on the show. And the Tusken Raiders... This is actually something I really did like when they're working together. And I want to understand if you're a big Star Wars fan, um, it may not be like the most realistic thing uh, that the Tusken Raiders are working with people. But I gave them a chance, and I think it turned out actually really well because it added new layers to the universe, developing the smallest things um, that we've seen before into something much bigger. That's something I really do love about the show. And John Leguizamo. Um, that doesn't even sound like him, by the way, but we've had many cameos from, like, comedians and just other actors this past season, like Bill Burr, um, I, but I think this one is a bit of a waste, because we're not, we're not gonna see him again, it looks like he died at the, uh, beginning of the episode, um, off screen, so I don't know, it, I'm pretty sure he's dead, but yeah, Bill Burr, um, Amy Sedaris, like I said, she returned. I don't know if Bill Burr is going to return. I don't. Th I think he said he probably isn't. But yeah, the story of this episode, I think it was too basic. It's a lot of what we've seen before, not only in this, not only in other shows, but we've seen this last season. It was a lot like the, um, the one when they were on the planet, like helping the village people when the the walker came in. They were trying to break that down. It was a lot like that because he's helping out this village. It was a lot like episode two when he was. Uh, killing the animal in the cave they kill an animal in the cave here it's a lot of the same but i mean i'm it's a west it's the show is described as a old western and i'm sure it'll get bigger and this the stagecraft thing they're doing it still gets me but it's weird watching these episodes knowing that this is all filmed on a stage because i didn't know that last year because john favreau didn't say anything about it until like the end of the show and it does follow the same kind of formula um, that last last season had. It never deviated from the gunslinger western thing it was described as. But um, and I also didn't know John Favreau directed this episode. I didn't know. I I won't be knowing uh, any of the. I don't know any of the people who directed any of these episodes. I know like Peyton Reed is directing an episode. He did the two Ant Man movies. I know Robert Rodriguez is doing one. I knew. Um, Carl Weathers will be directing an episode. I don't know which ones, though. I think Dave Filoni might be directing. I don't know if he's... I know he's writing some, but I don't know if he's directing some this season. I think one. He directed two last season. I don't know. Um, but I think it's a kind of insane how much it's changed for the better. Like, um, for instance, the this is the longest episode yet. It's 45 to 50 minute range. That's That sticks to this... The story they're trying to tell. Just tell one story per episode... And 
like you don't have to span one story over i mean i would like an overarching story over the whole season i don't want the one-offs like they did last season i don't know but i think the longer i think the time is what i really want i want to spend more time just seeing this i'm really excited for next week's episode and also the crate it's called the crate dragon i apologize i i knew that what it was called i only i referenced referenced it as the sand creature when i wrote my review but i knew this i guess it just slipped my mind I'm trying to hurry to get it out before the end of the day, but yeah, anyway, great visual effects, but it's basically like the Graboid from the Tremors movies, and it's this is really diving deep into the Star Wars mythology because this this thing it's it's it was only hinted at in A New Hope because you saw this uh, the skeleton of one of them in the Tatooine background, so I, yeah, I like that they're just they're like uh, Cobb Vanth, he was a character from a novel that brought Boba Fett back, but they're having him in here. So yeah, I really like they're doing a lot of the stuff that like diehard fans want and they're bringing it into live action now that I think that's really cool. And then the Boba Fett, um, I really like this as an intro, like a palate cleanser, but I think the show really needs it to get moving after this. And I, I think for Boba Fett, I think we're only going to maybe deal with one more episode with him on Tatooine. I mean, this show has to go somewhere. We can't, like, spend half the season on Tatooine. I don't want to do that. We've we, Throughout the movies, we've spent so much time on Tatooine. I mean, I like seeing it again, but I don't think we need to spend this much time there. We spent an entire episode on it last season. Only that episode was actually pretty bad because they, they were – it was, like, the nostalgia. That was all they were doing with it, that episode. Like, they were saying, ooh, look at the, the – uh, the I don't can't remember his name, but the the bounty hunter kid. He was sitting in the same spot Han Solo was sitting in in the cantina, and I it was just so like on the nose, and I hated that so much. Okay, and then a bit of news before I move on. Um, Oscar Isaac was just supposedly cast as Moon Knight. It's pr- it's I'm pretty sure it's gonna happen. It says he's in talks, but that means it's it's very very close to being uh, um, he's signing on. But I'm I'm. I'm, I'm just going to start off with this. I just talked about it last week with Miss America. I'm going to talk about it again. Representation. No, Moon Knight is not a member of the Young Avengers, but I still think there should be a representation distributed across the board. And I'm hearing Oscar Isaac is not Jewish. I, I mean, I'm hearing both sides, but I'm, I'm hearing a lot more and bigger like sources saying he's not Jewish. But Mark Spector, who's Moon Knight, he is Jewish. And that Moon Knight isn't an uh, incredibly popular character, but I, and I don't I don't I don't even know much about him, but I do know he's like a Marvel ripoff of Batman, and none of this changes um, my level of excitement for the show. And don't me, go, don't get me wrong, Oscar Isaac is a terrific actor, but I think maybe another role for him would perhaps work better, like uh, J C Chandor, a director in which uh, Isaac has partnered with many times. That guy is going to direct the Craven the Hunter movie. And while Oscar Isaac isn't Russian, I thought that was like a strong hint at who is going to be playing that role. And I do think Moon Knight being Jewish, played by a Jewish actor, is much more crucial to the role. Because Mark Spector is the son of a rabbi than Craven needing to be played by a Russian actor. I don't think that's as uh, big a deal. Also, this TV, this is a TV series, and Oscar Isaac is much more of a film-level actor. 
Um, so when Feige says that these characters are going to be crossed over the movies and back and forth and whatnot, I, th- I could easily see this happening with no questions asked. But like some of the actors, like uh, whoever they just cast, I forgot her name already, uh, as uh, Miss Marvel. That she's like a first time actor, so I don't I don't know how this is gonna work out. Cause like seeing um, Benedict Cumberbatch alongside Miss Marvel, I don't know. Um, I don't, I couldn't see that happening. I mean, who knows? She could be great, so I don't know. We'll see. I don't want to get I don't want to get too judgy too early on. And then next up, uh, they just confirmed that a sequel to The Meg is going to be happening with Jason Statham returning the lead, the uh, shark movie that came out with uh, the Megalodon shark movie that came out about two years ago. And this makes sense because the first film made like four times its budget, but it wasn't the best movie ever. It's probably like my third favorite shark movie behind the first two Jaws movies, although there's not really much competition in that field. There's like Sharknado but Ben Wheatley is going to be uh, directing this movie, and the only films I've seen of him uh, that he made are Free Fire, which was, it was okay, um, and then the new Rebecca, which came out last week, and I didn't talk about that last week because it was so bad. Um, I, I don't know. That that was really bad. That was the remake to Alfred Hitchcock's movie. Um, yeah, I planned on talking about, talking about it last week. I did a review, but um, yeah, it was really bad. And then Wheatley also signed on to direct uh, Tomb Raider 2 quite a while ago with uh, Alicia Vikander. Um, although that just got delayed indefinitely. as It hasn't even started filming. It had like a March 2021 release date planned. But all this happened. I, I, I think it, I don't know when it was scheduled to start filming before this all happened. But I, I wasn't uh, holding on to that. I wasn't thinking that was going to hold on to that date. And then this is also the first time we're hearing of another sequel uh, happening. Creed 3 just got announced. And um, all of the first two made a, a very little money. Um, it was kind of clear this was going ha- this was going to happen. Michael B. Jordan just signed on to direct this uh, movie as this is his first ever feature film. Um, and it's not always a great movie to have actors or people who have never directed before to make a big studio movie. Just look at Dark Phoenix. And no, these movies don't cost too much. And as I said, they, they don't rack in a lot of cash. But the franchise films are what people are most looking forward to to succeed as they already have a prior fan base. Um, and this franchise specifically, because it's been around since 1976. So I don't think making money um, is it is at all a pro- issue. Um, it's just, is this going to be good? I don't know. And yet another sequel we're hearing about for the first time, Insidious 5 just got greenlit, and Patrick Wilson, an actor, has just signed on to direct, and he will also star alongside Ty Simpkins, who was the creepy kid from the first few. And Insidious 4 tanked because it was stuck in a January release date, which is never a good place for movies, especially horror, for whatever reason. They just stuck Scream 5 in January, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm really excited for Scream 5 and the new Halloween movies, which I'll get to in a little bit. Wilson has had a lot more experience in the arena of paranormal horror. Um, he's been in the Insidious movies. He's been in the Conjuring movies, um, whom he's also worked with James Wan, who directed the Insidious. I think just the first one. Uh, he directed the first two Conjuring movies. And then he also directed Aquaman, in which Patrick Wilson was Ocean Master in that. 
So if, if James Wan is credited as a producer behind this, I'm sure if they gather a good team, this could work out well. And then I told you guys last week that I would talk a little bit about this uh, movie this week, even though I probably could have waited a few hours to record last week because I watched this movie um, literally right after I finished recording. It's On the Rocks with um, Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. It's directed by Sofia Coppola. But I, I'd honestly thought I'd had have more to say about this. But I was expecting more than what I got. Um, I still liked it. Um, the score was absolutely phenomenal. That's it. It's in the trailer, but it's really, really good. And so are Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. And this is like the first ever movie Rashida Jones has led. She's, uh, she was in The Office a lot. She was in Parks and Recreation. She, she's been primarily a TV actor, actress. I wouldn't expect any wins, uh, award wins, possibly not even nominations from this movie. I mean, that's kind of disappointing because this movie isn't bad. Just that for a year where nothing is coming out, um, I mean, there's quite a bit coming out, actually. Mostly on streaming. But there's a lot of competition, actually. Um, so don't don't go in expecting uh, something like Sofia Coppola's movie she did 15 years ago with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson lost in translation, which is how I went in. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do recommend that movie quite a bit. And then lastly, I'm going to do something a little bit new here. I'm going to do a trailer breakdown because um, Halloween Kills just had a new trailer come out. Um, and I know that's a little bit inconvenient. I'm going to do a shot by shot. And I know it's a little bit inconvenient because you guys can't see my screen. But I'm, kinda, I'm trying to work with what I got here. And who knows, for future trailers, I could do this as well. But I, I just wanted to do, um, I wanted to do it with this one because it was very short. And I have no problem with releasing this tease a year early because this movie was supposed to come out two weeks ago. It's, it was nice of them to show us something um, like a few days before Halloween as this movie isn't going to come out for another year. And I doubt it'll have any effect on the marketing for the film, although releasing a trailer too early can hurt it. Um, but even though that's, that's uh, what they're calling this, an official trailer it's not it was only under it was under 40 seconds um but it wasn't run for an event on tv it was just thrown online so it was probably much less money spent um on this very low budget horror movie because the halloween movies i mean um they're already filming these movies these last two halloween kills and halloween uh ends they're filming them back to back so that's um I mean, they, it's, that's very smart because they don't have to build up the set, film one, tear it down, and then a year later build it back up, film it, tear it down again. Because that costs money for them. It costs money for them to keep the lot that they're uh, filming in. Um, but yeah, I think that that was a, that's what they did for Avengers, uh, the last two Avengers movies too. And I mean, that would have been a nightmare to f uh, film those uh, separately because, I mean, those already cost a lot of money as is. So yeah. Anyway, I'm going to bring it up right here. So, Halloween Kills trailer coming out next year, October 15, 2021. 36 seconds. So it's opening with the pumpkin here. So, here, Lori says next Halloween. Jamie Lee Curtis. She says next Halloween. So, I'm thinking this could mean one of three things. Either one, next Halloween is set like in the last two thirds of this movie. So, they deal with Michael on the same night as Halloween 2018 in the first, um, the first act. And then it flashes forward a year. Or 
She could say next Halloween at the end of the movie, and the entire movie is set on the same night as 2018, just as um, the 1978 Halloween and the 1981 sequel were set on the same night. But I'm not going to get into continuity errors. Halloween 2 means nothing in this series, in this uh, quadrilogy they're doing. It's just one, 2018, and these next two. Or they're going to... They're just, this could mean nothing. That Laura, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis just recorded this line for the trailer specifically. So, yeah. Um, I don't know how smart this movie is, though. <laughs> so, there's his mask. I'm wondering why he, why the, how the mask comes off. Because he had it on at the end of the last one. Um, it, like, burnt to his face or whatever because he was in the fire. So, he picks it up. His hand is all bandaged, bandaged up. I, I can't. I it, I don't think his hand was bandaged bandaged up at the end of the last one because he was no he wasn't because she shot his fingers off, and then he was in the fire. So yeah, so he he bandaged it up I guess, and then I don't know who he's cutting here, but that's a cool shot. That's brutal. That's a lot of blood. I mean there was a lot of blood in the last one, but a lot of, a lot of the kills were like just him choking someone. So I, I don't know. I this could this could get really more creative, much more creative, I guess. Yeah, I don't know who that is. There's Lori looking. She's in the hospital. She's in a hospital. So this is just gonna be like Halloween two, I guess. We're just redoing it. Every sequel has to be taking place in a hospital. Yeah, cause the Rob Zombie one. I mean, they kind of redid that a little more than needed. Um, the first. 15 or so minutes were taking place in a hospital and the entire sequel is taking place in a hospital and this is a sequel to the reboot that's being taken place in a hospital I guess and I uh that's oh, I don't know who that is moving too fast oh I know who that is that's um oh that's uh Kyle Richard she's coming back as um uh, Lindsay, the little girl from the first one that um, Annie was babysitting. Yeah, she's going to be back. And then um, Tommy, the other kid. That This is Kyra Richards. This is the same actress as in the first one. The uh, 1978 original. She's the same actress as the little girl. But um, Tommy, the other uh, the boy that Lori was babysitting, he's also going to be coming back, but it's not going to be the same actor. I don't know what happened to the, sa the actor um, that played him in the original. But Anthony Michael Hall, he was, he's been in a bunch of John Hughes movies. He's going to be playing the grown-up Tommy. And I don't know if he uh, – well, I'll we'll, I'll talk about that later. Hold on. So she's running from – looks like Michael. And then her, this lady in the car with the gun right here, that is the nurse of Dr. Loomis. Who is, uh, she was also in the first one. And I like the shot because Michael puts the hand on the window. And she was, of course, in the car – when Michael slammed his hand against the window in the very original in the opening scene. Or I guess not the opening scene. It was right after the title card. But she was also in Halloween 2. She was the one who told everyone uh, us that Lori and Michael are siblings. But continuity, that doesn't mean anything in this one. So she's... And then, also, she was also in H2O. And she died in the opening scene. But that means nothing. Halloween 2 means nothing. Continuity. I'm, I'm really sorry. <laughs> But yeah, so she's going to be back in this one. And she hasn't acted in like any other movie other than Halloween. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's kind of cool that they're bringing back all of these characters. But um, 
I don't know how good their acting chops are. And there's Allison. She's in the hospital. There's Judy Greer. She's wearing the same Christmas sweater as in the last movie. So we do know that I don't probably an extent of this movie is probably going to be taking place on the same night, I would say. And there's Kyle Richards again. And then I don't know who this is with the gun. There's Michael with his melted mask. That looks really, that's really cool. Yeah, we've we've just seen white mask Michael for almost every single movie except the Rob Zombie ones, which it looks all beat up because it was like under the house for all those years. And there's Lori in the hospital with all these people. And this right here, this guy with the bat. Okay, I don't know who this is exactly. It's very hard to tell. From the lighting. I mean, I guess he's more lit up than everyone else. But, I, I mean, I think this could either be Anthony Michael Hall as Tommy. It, it looks vaguely like him. Or it could just be a random guy. Who knows? And then this is some old guy getting his face smashed against a window by Michael. Yeah, I don't know who that is. It's very dark. Yeah. And um, this lady screaming with a wine bottle. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to do. Um, yeah. And then the kid running, people rioting, chanting, whatever. I wonder if, like, the town is going to go against Michael on this one. That's going to be kind of – that's weird. We've never seen that before. I mean, we've seen in Halloween 4 when, like, the redneck guys shot up shot up old people in the bushes and whatever. Um, but, yeah, we haven't seen that before. And then there's Allison screaming, and then Halloween Kills shows up. Okay, October 15, 2021. And then uh, producer Jason Blum said they are sticking to that release date regardless of what's still going on next October. And yeah, very excited for this movie. Um, and the last one, which is coming out in two years from now, uh, October 2022. Um, and Halloween, the original Halloween may just be my favorite horror movie. So yeah, so I am insanely excited for this. Alright guys, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Weekly Movie Wrap-Up. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.